MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today and bet $100 to get a $100 free bet at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash WinBet. That's sportsimplingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. State restrictions do apply. We're also brought to you by our mini helmet contest. The SGPN mini helmets are now in the store and we're giving away one for free. Just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash helmet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash helmet. Hello, DeGenerinos, and welcome to the MMA Gambling Podcast, the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I can't even talk. This is going to be a good episode. Network. Episode 266 goes out to Stefan Bonner. Uh, happy Boxing Day to all my Canadians listening, and to all the Americans, happy day after Christmas. I hear so many Americans call it the day after Christmas. Like You should really either adopt Boxing Day or come up with your own thing so you don't have to say the day after christmas because it sounds kind of awkward so just a suggestion you know um i'm the canadian of the show jeff chalks fox hope uh, all of you that celebrate christmas had a wonderful christmas and all of you that don't celebrate christmas i hope you had a wonderful sunday and once again no days off for us here on the gambling uh sports gambling podcast network uh, on the whole and uh mma gambling podcast ufc may take time off but we do not we were in your ears on Christmas Day, we're in your ears on Boxing Day, we're going to call it, because it's, like I said, less awkward to say. We've got some events to break down for you after having three straight shows where we were kind of reflecting and looking ahead uh, at what could be uh, on offer in the UFC. We are uh, jumping back into making picks for fights, and since it's Monday, it's going to be a non-UFC day as per usual we're gonna have a lot of non-ufc days for the next little while but we got a pretty good event um continuing the tradition of big mma uh, spectaculars on new year's eve in japan ryzen is running a joint promotion with bellator at the satama super arena in japan on uh, new year's eve no fedor uh versus uh, big nog in the card but it's, it's just no bob Saf. but it, it'll it'll still be a pretty good card we're going to break down the belgium versus ryzen part of the um program uh, of the fight card excuse me which i guess you could kind of say the uh the main card but uh ryzen 40 um which is going down before it is a pretty stacked card too which will be uh will be giving you um picks for later on this week so enough for me let's bring in uh the man who celebrates the day after christmas uh the american daniel gumby vreeland hello can i ask what the hell boxing day even is it's a british thing we we steal everything from britain but but, okay so you stole it but like then then in theory then in theory theory we should know what it is is it like our is it like some of the made-up holidays that we have yeah, is, is it um, like Columbus Day or, or Indigenous Peoples Day if if you don't celebrate Columbus Day anymore? Is it is it just like that? We get a day off and that's it? Yeah, I, I think so. I'm, I'm looking quickly uh, quickly what it is. Um, You're Canadian. You're supposed to know this. You were just yeah, no, out. no. I, I I meant what uh what, where the box part came from. I I think it has to do with Christmas boxes and stuff like that. I always not, thought it was not boxing with hands. No, no. Even though uh, <laughs> that that goes with 
hand in hand with our show here. No, I think I always thought it was like getting rid of all, all your empty boxes from your presents, but I, I think it's also like giving gifts and stuff like that. So uh-huh. whatever, it's it's another so, day off. So. So they do gifts after gifts. Perhaps Boxing Day, it's it's a massive shopping day, so I'm sure all the all the shopping centers are packed right now. I, I say as I say as combat sports analysts, people, yep. whatever we are, um, I say we take it back and make it yep. Boxing Boxing Day, and and maybe it's because there's lots of shopping too, and we can get yep. some of those like shopping brawls that uh, yeah. you know you love to watch from cell phones. So exactly. yeah, but let's take it back and make it Boxing Boxing Day. Exactly, or Top Turtle Day instead <laughs> top yeah, turtle ma- day. <laughs> yeah make it a real inside uh grappling type uh type of thing so we've go. got some grappling guys on this card by the way this is a we pretty do. fun this is a pretty fun card if you enjoy people who are good at grappling yes yes it is it's a pretty fun card top to bottom it is um yeah like i said it's living up to that new year's eve tradition that pride used to have their big blowouts on new year's eve uh, Fedor yeah. w- would fight big nog or Fedor would fight some seven foot tall kickboxer or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I, I have to ask, it, it's really interesting in the lead up to all of this. I, I keep hearing the, the two owners or the two presidents or whatever you want to say of these two organizations talk about how they want to do more crossover stuff. Yep. They want Ryzen to come over and do a, an event in a cage because this one's in a, in a ring, if I'm not mistaken. Right. It's in oh, a, okay. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It probably would be. Yeah. Which is it's in the Ryzen ring. Yeah. Yeah. Ryzen so, does that because it's the pride guy that runs Ryzen. Right. Sakibara. Right. Right. Yep. right. And, and so then they, they keep saying, you know, they want to do more crossovers. They want Ryzen to go to America and do a, a show in a cage, but they also want more promotions to get in on this. Do you think they actually mean that? Or do you think that's just their attempt to try to go to the UFC into it? Because, like, I'll be honest, like, these, first of all, these five crossover fights are, are really good fights. Um, You know, there's, there's one that I think is a mismatch. But apart from that, I think they're all great fights in, in with a chance of either guy winning. And I think you could do the same thing with like a crossover card with KSW, like KSW a hundred percent could give you guys, especially if we went up in weight class a little bit, right? Like if we were talking like, you know, Kaladov versus Ryan Bader and, and, you know, you could throw Pujanowski versus whatever idiot heavyweight you want to out of uh, Bellator. Like you, you could do a crossover there too, but like, it feels like they don't actually mean KSW or they don't actually mean cage warriors or they don't actually mean like we want to cross over with lfa they're saying that it just feels like they're trying to goad the ufc into doing this yeah well that's not happening so uh ufc were foolish enough to to do the ufc and pride kind of the um those kind of joint things and uh then the pride guys destroyed the ufc guys so no now the ufc is totally in control it's never going to happen but the non-UFC promotions, by all means, you, you, you better do stuff like this because this is the uh, only way you can you can really compete. Yeah, and I think I think this card has like a, a maybe not like a UFC pay-per-view feel to it, but like it would be a good-ass fight night card if like all of these got got signed by the UFC and they did this in the Apex. I'd be like, damn, this is a pretty good card. Um, yep. So yeah, like I I think the crossover stuff's great for these promotions. Uh, but I wish we wouldn't just like talk about it like, yeah, let's do crossovers all the time. And then you have somebody like LFA pop up and want to do it or Cage Warriors want to pop up and want to do it. And you'd be like, well, I didn't really I didn't really mean any of that, uh, yeah. you know, backtrack on it. Yeah, this also could be rising just wanting to get more of a, a, a foothold in the U.S. too. And they're using Bellator for that. But what, 
doesn't matter to us because we're we're uh, gonna enjoy the the fights as it is. Oh, I have have to uh, have to call it pathology, so I know when we're actually starting these because it's gonna be a taking is gonna be a long night because we've got like a basically well, it's gonna be like a UFC event, I guess. Um, we got a full Ryzen card before the Bellator versus Ryzen starts. So Bellator versus Ryzen, which is what we're covering today, will be New Year's Eve, so the 31st this Saturday. Is that Friday? Saturday. 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 Right. This Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern is is um the portion of the car that we're gonna break down today. It's show being shown on showtime tape delayed though. Do you know what time is gonna be shown there? Yeah, so I, I think it's it's they're they're running these fights. This is my understanding, and I, yeah. I'm you know, I think I have this right. I believe they're running the rising card in this right after it, but because okay. this is target's audience is uh America and they're yeah. they're trying to they're going to show it tape delayed in America during American prime time. Oh yeah, that's right. Because eight, this would be what, like 11 in the morning, uh, the next right, day uh, right, right. So in, in Japan. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think what they're doing is they're trying to, you know, they're just going to run it, you know, it's usual time in Japan yeah. and, and tape delay it into America. Yeah, that's right. Cause Ryzen 40, which is basically the undercard is starting at 4am. So this one's basically what starting at 8am, probably our, our time. If you want to try to find, I don't know. Probably, if, probably if a little bit later than that. It's, yeah. it's probably going to be closer to noon. But uh, again, yeah. like, you know, that that's not really uh, a prime time to watch. Yeah. You know, fighting in, in the United States. <laughs> but if you're going to bet on it, you need to know these things. Uh, un- unless you find a, a book that um, lets you bet after <laughs> the, <laughs> the events happen, which happened with PFL this year. Uh, yeah. And stay uh, off of Twitter. They're going to spoil it for you. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, all right. We'll break down the card. I'm going to tell you, obviously, before we break it down about our friends at WinBet. WinBet is the official online sports book for the sports of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. WinBet is active in a bunch of states, and there are tons of ways to win, including live betting and same-game parlays. Plus, for the hashtag DigGens only, try your luck at WinBet's parlay wheel. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100 or win $100, limited to state availability. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash WinBet so they know we sent you. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. To claim your free bet today, offer subject to change, terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough embed is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. And don't forget to enter the SGP Mini Helmet Contest. From now until the end of the year, just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash helmet to enter. That is sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash helmet to enter. Okay, let's get down to it here. We're going to start with lightweights. Uh, Gadzi Rabadanov versus Koji Takeda, Takeda. Um, Gumby, uh, I should say off the top, uh, you said a lot of these fights are almost toss-ups in your mind. Not not according to the books, because the books are very slanted towards Bellator here. So maybe there's money to be had because of that? Yeah, I, I think a lot of these fights are closer than the line has them. Because uh, wow. you're right, you're right. There's, there's three that have pretty wide odds. There's two that have pretty close odds. And, and two of the ones with wide odds, I, I think should be a lot closer. But it's all Bellator, too. Bellator's favorite in every one of these fights. So, anyhow, let's break down the first one. Uh, we will tell you about Takeda first. 15 and 3, two knockouts, five submissions. He's been submitted one time. 5 and 3 in Ryzen. Won two straight and three of five. He won his last fight via submission. He is or was the deep champion before this in Japan. Uh, he's two years younger than Rabadanov, plus 205 than I burned him. Rabadanov, 
18, four and two, six knockouts, five submissions. He's been knocked out twice, submitted once three and all in Bellator. That's part of a four fight winning streak for him. He's won 10 of his last 11 fights. One no and PFL as well. Used to fight at featherweight, used to fight at welterweight. He's got an inch of height on Takeda, three inches of reach, minus 250. Go ahead. Yeah, so this is one I think it, it should be a little bit closer because Takeda does have quite a bit of power and throws pretty hard. But I, I think Rabadonov just has like way more ways to win in this fight. Um, so he's like a combat sambo guy. He comes from a combat sambo background. But at the same time, he, like, doesn't use it all that often. So, like, you know, I mentioned Takeda has power in his hands. If Rabadonov feels a little bit of that power or starts getting clipped really often, I think he can go with the backup plan, which is go to wrestle or go to grapple or go work to the back or whatever he's going to do. And, you know, like he, he's got that sort of ace in the hole. But I actually think he's got the advantage on the feet, too. And I, I think he's a better puncher on the feet. With Takeda, he stands southpaw. You you see him stand left-handed, but his arms are way away from his face. Um, he He's not a guy who keeps a really closed guard. And Rabadonov has got, first of all, a really sharp one-two. Uh, so when he, he throws that one-two, Takeda is going to have to try to shell up to protect that. And because he doesn't telegraph it, it's really quick and it's really sharp. I think he's just going to land that at will. And in addition to that, Rabadonov is a really good counter striker. Um, he throws a nice uh, left check hook. Uh, and I think if when you think about Takeda being a lefty in his own right, if he throws out that jab with his right hand, he's going to eat a counter left right over the top because he already doesn't protect his face enough. And I've seen Rob Donoff knock people out with that, that check left hook. So I, I think he's going to catch him with a counter like that. I think if you can... You know, I, I don't know how prevalent props are going to be at the books for this one, but if you can find a prop on Rabadonov by knockout, I think that's like definitely the most likely way he wins this fight. Um, and the books might load up on decisions because he's got a few decisions on his record, too. So, like, if you can find him by knockout, I actually think he can knock out Takeda and you can get a little nicer line than the negative 250. Yeah, I don't see any props anywhere yet. Uh, uh, not every not every, every book even has just straight money line odds out either. So there you go. A little um, bit closer to New Year's, though, you might see that. Because we're taping this on Monday. We're, we're still yeah. five or six days away. They, those yeah. might pop up two or three days before. How is that for a breakdown? He doesn't just tell you who's going to win. He tells you how they're going to win. Uh, so there you go. Uh, that's why he is the Gumby. All right, we're going to move down to flyweights. Kyoji Horaguchi versus... Hiromasa Ogikobu? Ogikobu. Ogikobu, right. Ogikobu. Right, I say, uh, like I know. All right, Ogikobu. 25. He was, he was on The Ultimate Fighter, you don't remember? Yeah, no, him? I recognize the name, but I don't watch The Ultimate Fighter. No, no one watches it but you, Dan. And he was wife. in the finals of uh, The Ultimate maybe. Fighter. That's, okay, who, who did he fight? He was one. He fought Tim Elliott in the finals. He was one fight away from fighting Mighty Mouse Johnson for okay, the yeah, belt. Okay, all right. That was a long time ago, though. Yeah. I remember Tim, the Tim Elliott fight. That was fun. Uh, Tim yeah. Elliott and and uh, that guy was fun. Uh, Tim Elliott and that guy, Demetrius. That was a fun one. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that was good. That was actually probably the closest he's yep. ever been to losing. Yep. Except when he actually lost. Technically, he lost to Henry Cejudo. But anyhow. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Ogi Kubo. Kubo. 25, 6, and 2. One knockout. Six submissions. He's been knocked out twice, submitted twice. Seven and two in Ryzen. Lost his last fight. Uh, multiple regional championships on his mantle. 
what was his record on the Ultimate Fighter? I forgot to write that down. Three, Do you know? three would have been three and zero, oh, I think, because it was yep. a sixteen-person tournament, and he made yep. it to the finals. And he beat, uh, he he beat some pretty notable dudes too. He beat Pantoja to get to the finals. Yes. Oh yeah, that's right. Pantoja was one of the favorites too. Was yep. he? I think he was number one seed. Was he was he the number one seed in yep. uh, Ogikobo. Was four or five? Uh, four or five? I think he was. Um. And he made it to the, the finals by beating Pantoja and fighting Tim Elliott. Yeah, that season I actually did care about because it was it was uh, actually meaningful. So anyhow, so three and zero on top. Used to fight at bantamweight, used to fight at featherweight. Two thousand and six was his pro MMA debut, plus three seventy. Horiguchi, the Typhoon. He has changed his nickname to the Typhoon. You remember what it used to be, Dan? I mean, people used to call him Gooch, but I don't think he yep. ever li- listed that as his nickname. You don't remember his nickname? The Gooch. I just always called him Gooch. The Supernova. The Supernova. What? Nobody's you don't ever that? called him. Nobody's ever called him that. We have on this show probably. <laughs> I, I think if we if we broke down his fights, but it says formally now he's the Typhoon. Uh, 30N5, 30-5, 15 knockouts, four submissions. That's a heck of a lot of knockouts for a uh, light, lightweight guy, a flyweight mostly. Uh, he's been knocked out twice, submitted once. 11 and one in Ryzen. He was there 135. Oh, he. Is right now actually there were hundred and five. Yeah, but he's, he's obviously representing Bellator here though. <laughs> yes. And he hasn't and he hasn't um defended that belt either. So right, I sure. don't think. Sure. So yeah. So he's the rising champ at a weight class higher, uh, but he's uh he's a rising band weight champ, but he's um representing Bellator flyweights here, of course. Uh division Bellator doesn't even have. Anyhow. Right. <laughs> that's it's the details. Don't sweat the details. It, it should be fun anyhow. He's one and two over his last three and two and three over his last five. He did win his last five via submission. He was one and two in Bellator. Used to be the champion there at Bantamweight as well. Seven and one in the UFC. Uh, that was at Flyweight. And then they they cut him, or did he just leave? Was that, I can't I remember. Think, I, think that one wound, I think that one wound up being more mutual because like wh- while we all wanted to see him re-signed, I think his contract expired. And, yeah. you know, he, he had just beaten Ali Bagawatin off and nobody really thought he was going to get another title shot. And like, you know, they weren't, I, I don't think they went out of their way to try to re-sign him is yeah. the best way to put it. Because they were going to get rid of Flyweight. So he also was the Shuto champion. So we got a Shuto Champ, Bellator champ, and currently the Ryzen champ. 2010 was his pro MMA debut. He's three three years younger than Ogikobu. Two inches taller, one inch of reach on him. Minus 400. Go ahead. Yeah, so you mentioned he won the uh, the Shudo Bantamweight Championship. Do, do you know who he beat to win that? No. Hiromasa Ogikobu. Oh, uh, so I always <laughs> miss the I always miss the uh, the rematch things well, there. Well, actually, actually, you you missed it twice because this is a trilogy fight. Oh, uh, <laughs> what happened? What happened the other two times, Dan? Yeah, Tell us. Yeah, I mean, Koji Horiguchi is so much better than Hiromasa. <laughs> Minus four hundred better. Yeah, and, and like I said, all of the ones with wide odds are closer than they they look. This this is the one that's not. Um, because Ogikobu, if you saw him on the Ultimate Fighter. The thing that kept him in a lot of those fights is he's a good wrestler in the ultimate fighter house is sort of built for people who take a low amount of damage and wrestle their heads off. Right. Like that's how Roy Nelson made it through the ultimate fighter house relatively unscathed. Um, And then when you get to the finals, it it becomes like, you know, you got to let it go a little bit more because you're not fighting again in a week or whatever their space out is. And with Oki Kobu, he, he keeps that style. He, he like wrestles and he, he holds people down and he does a pretty damn good job of that. You're just not beating Horiguchi that way. 
right? Like, and he didn't the first two times. One time he got his back taken and rear naked choked. The other time he just like failed on all of his takedowns and just got blasted on the feet nonstop for three rounds. So I think more of the same of that, right? Like Kyojo Origuchi continues to be one of the best flyweights in the world. If you go back the last time Koji Horiguchi lost at 125, it was Mighty Mouse. Mighty Mouse was the last person to beat him at 125 pounds. Nobody else is beating him at 125 pounds. He's one of the best flyweights in the world. Sure, he's been losing a couple of these Bellator fights up at 35, but he's I think he's undersized for it. So now that he's in his right size, he's going to fight a guy who he knows what he's going to do. Like he, He's just going to murder him. Uh, I got Horiguchi any way he wants here. He's going to buy murder, apparently, is what you what you have him buy, right? Yeah, because he's a killer or a beast or what What else? What are the other ones that we I use? He's not. A, oh, no, yeah, no, he's a savage. I, I savage. sorry, I, I yeah. catch you, yes. Yeah, 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 you a, got Well, not enough of a savage for the UFC to keep him, sadly, because um, he is a fun fighter. Uh, health is kind of uh, seems to be going down the tubes now because he's getting a little bit older, so he hasn't been as active as we would have liked. But in his prime, he was heck of a fighter, and Dan says he'll have no trouble. In this fight... Prime or no prime. All right, we're going to move up a weight class to Bantamweight. Juan Archuleta on the Bellator side. Su Chul Kim on the Ryzen side. Kim, 18-6-1, six knockouts, five submissions. He's been submitted three times, 2-0 and on Ryzen. Um, so he's won two straight fights in seven of his last eight. He used to fight at featherweight. He was the road FC champion at two weight classes, I believe. Uh, two and three in one championship, and he was the champion there as well. So he basically was champion of the world since that's the biggest promotion in the world there's 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 the laugh uh regional champion as well so he's he's got a lot of uh belts on his mantle as well 2010 was his pro may debut he also has done some pro grappling he's four years younger than archuleta plus 125 this one is the closest one we're gonna on the on the board at least that we're gonna talk about today uh, archuleta the spaniard that's so i would be the canadian you would be the american i i like uh, uh, nicknames that are basically just very uh plaintive just tells you what they are yeah, but Archuleta, fighter. But, but Archuleta is born in California. No, he's a Spaniard. No, sorry. Oh, <laughs> so it's a lie, is it? I mean, he's probably of Spanish origin, but uh, yeah. It's he, like if uh, he's from Caitlin California. Ch- <laughs> Caitlin Chukagian had uh, had black hair. It would be like that. Uh, she dyed it black, but then yeah. still kept going by blonde fighter. Yes, exactly. Or, this is ridiculous. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> this is a sham. Anyhow, Archuleta is 26 and four, 11 knockouts, one submission. Been knocked out once, submitted once, eight and three in Bellator. Used to be the featherweight champion. He was one. He's gone one and two over his last three fights. However, he did win his last fight. Used to fight at featherweight. Used to fight at lightweight. Multiple regional championships on his mantle. Oh, one of World Series of fighting. Two inches of reach over Kim, minus 150. So the closest one on the board, are you going to go dog here? Yeah, I, I am going to go dog All here. Right. Uh, you know, part of it is I, I don't entirely trust Archuleta to not get into a brawl with Su Chol Kim here. And, and that's, um for those who have never seen Su Chol Kim fight before, um because I, I assume a lot of our listeners probably have seen a Bellator event here or there, like are familiar with Bellator guys, but you know, Ryzen is a lot harder to get your eyes on or Road FC is a lot harder to get your eyes on. Sucho Kim is a guy who wants to brawl. Like this, this dude really puts on a show. Um, You'll see him like overextend himself with hooks and put himself in bad positions. And he, he's risky with his grappling too. The other thing he'll do with his, gra- like he'll jump guillotines or he'll try to take your back with like no hooks anywhere near close to being in. And he like, he just goes for it. And 
I think a lot of this fight is going to start by taking place on the feet. I, I think Archuleta is going to sort of oblige him with that kind of fight. And Kim's got knockout power. He's got real knockout power. And if he stuns you and doesn't knock you out, he, like I said, he, he tries to jump for submissions. And he's actually quite good at them. He's got a lot of submissions on his record. So I, I would say, I think if you ask me who the better fighter is, I, I think Archuleta is actually probably the better fighter here. But I think his like willingness to throw hands could get him caught um, in a way that I think this is almost like a coin flip fight. Um, so if it's a coin flip, 50-50, uh, I'll take the guy who, first of all, is not only the one who wants the chaos and who embraces the chaos, but also the one who's just a better finisher. Like, I think at this stage in their career, Sucho Kim is just a better finisher than Archuleta. So if they're going to brawl and they're going to, like, you know, go balls to the wall and they're both going to be swanging, like, I'll take the dude who's putting people away in Kim. Okay. Plus, you can't resist. You have to take at least one dog, right? On the car. All the time. All the time. <laughs> Must be killing you not to take one yet. So, all right. We'll go to the co-main event. Um, they have a. Uh, what do they have? Is AJ McKee in the main event, or is it Pitbull? He, AJ AJ McKee is the main event. Pitbull's the really? co-main. Yeah, I don't. Really, that that has changed since. Uh, okay. I I don't I, know what they're doing there, but that's that's how they did it. <laughs> all right. Featherweights: Patricio Pitbull Freire versus Kleber. Koike herbs? How do you say that middle part there? I think Kleber. it's Koke. Koke herbs. I just know him as, as Kleber herbs. Kleber like they herbs. Don't, yeah, they don't usually drop that middle piece in there. No, he's a thirty-one five and one. Two knockouts, twenty-seven submissions. I would be talking about herbs right here. Twenty-seven submissions. Hear that, everyone? Out of thirty moments, uh, he's been submitted himself once. The only time he's been finished in thirty-seven fights. Six and zero in Ryzen. He is the featherweight champion there. He's won seven straight fights in thirteen of fourteen. He's not lost since December of twenty eighteen. He also was was the KSW champion. Also was regional champion. Used to fight at lightweight and welterweight. Two thousand eight was his pro May debut. Two years younger than Freer. Three inches taller than him, five inches of reach on him. So he's got quite a size advantage, plus 270. The Pitbull is 34 and 5, 11 knockouts, 12 submissions, but knocked out once, submitted once. So none of these guys get finished in fights. 22 and 5 in Bellator. He is the featherweight champion, used to be the lightweight champion as well. He's won two straight fights and nine of 10. 2004 was his pro debut, minus 333. A very weird number, but that's the number there. Go ahead. Yeah, so when when I first saw this posted, I was like, oh, Herbs should be a large underdog, and I might like it because uh, I'm not sure Pitbull can hang with him on the mat. And and to this day, even after watching some film and and breaking things down further, I still think Pitbull can't hang with him on the mat. Uh, But here's the problem. I don't think he can get it to the mat. Uh, I, I think Herbs, if he can lure you to the mat and he can trick you into thinking you need to grapple with him, he's going to submit you. Um, or if you're such a terrible defensive wrestler that he can wrestle you to the ground because he's not a good wrestler. He's really great at jujitsu. He's really great at, you know, positioning and submissions and whatever he needs. To, he's great, got great sweeps. He's good at all that stuff, but he is not good at taking you to the mat. So if you just choose to not engage with him on the mat, I think you're going to beat the hell out of him. And I think that's what Pitbull's going to do here. I don't think he's dumb enough to continuously go to the ground with him. And even if so, you kind of mentioned like he doesn't really get finished. Even if he is far worse at jujitsu here, I think like worst case scenario, like herbs just like sweeps him one time. 
winds up on top. Pitbull panics for a round, doesn't get submitted, and then just blasts him on the feet for the other two and, like, winds up winning a decision that way. The the back and look, you mentioned he was the KSW featherweight champion, right? Herbst was. And yeah. if you go back and look at his run to win the championship, when he ran to win the championship, like got people to the ground, armbar, got person to the ground, arm triangle, got person to the ground, triangle choke, like one after another, he was submitting dudes with good grappling. Then he had to defend the title against a little known guy named Machu's Gamrot, uh, who, who we all know. And Gamrot, even Gamrot being the, the ground wizard that he is being as good as he is on the mat was like, I'm all set. I ain't going to the ground with him. And every single time herbs fell to his back or like, you know, engaged in a clinch and like just basically gave up a takedown. Gamrot backed up, asked him to stand up and then punched his face in. So like, I, I think Pitbull does the same exact thing here. Granted that was, you know, five or six years ago at this point, but I think Pitbull goes in with that game plan. He forces herbs to box with him. Uh, and I think it goes really badly for him. There you go. Back on the back on the favorites we go. So um, to the main event, uh, lightweights, AJ McKee versus Roberto de Souza. Uh, de Souza, Satoshi, Roberto Satoshi, you may know him as. He's 14 and one, four knockouts, 10 submissions. So he's finished all of his fights and he got knocked out in his one loss. So he's never gone the distance. Oh, by the way, all these fights are three five minute round fights. No belts are on the line. So um, just normal. Normal three five minute round fights. Uh, all right, Satoshi seven one in Ryzen. He is the champion there uh, at lightweight. He's won five straight fights. He's not lost since December of 2019. He is also a pro grappler. He's got an inch of height on McKee. I don't have reach info for him. A uh, plus 165 mercenary AJ McKee 19 one six knockouts seven submissions. Never been finished in a fight. 19 one in Bellator. All of his fights have been there. Used to fight, actually, sorry, excuse me, used to be their featherweight champion. Now he's moved up to lightweight. He did win his last fight, which was his first one at lightweight. He's six years younger than D'Souza, minus 188. So another kind of close one. It's close we're, we're going to get here. Yeah, I'm going to take Satoshi on this one, too. I, I'm going to go with another okay. dog. Um, and, and the reason is, you know, you mentioned he's coming up in weight. I mean, granted, he did fight Spike Carlisle at 55, too. Um, yes. But you mentioned he's coming up in weight. That worries me a little bit. I think McKee's a better featherweight than he is a lightweight. Um, you know, you you got really a real big dude in in Satoshi. Uh, granted, you know it's only a little bit of height difference, right? Because uh, McKee is five ten, and he's five eleven. But he's also like a long five eleven, and he fights a long five eleven. In addition to that, like you know, when you think about what McKee's best at. Right. You think of his really creative grappling, right? Like that, that weird, I, I don't even know what you want to call it. That weird, like guillotine neck crank arm catch thing that he did from guard um, on Darian Caldwell. You're like, man, that right there. Or, you know, the guillotine, he jumped on Patricio Pitbull after he stunned him, you know, like super good. And like, you know, you, you can go back his Anaconda choke early in Bellator was nasty. Like anytime you think of what he does excellently, you're like, oh, he's really creative on the ground and he's really skilled on the ground. I don't think he's as good as Satoshi on the ground. Like, I think he's much worse than Satoshi. Like Satoshi is a guy who is doing grappling competitions all the time. Like he he did them for Ryzen in, in just like absolutely mangling dudes in Ryzen. But he also like has been in quintets and he's been in... 
you know, like Abu Dhabi's and he's been in, you know, IBJJF tournaments and stuff like that. And he's fought like the best dudes. Like he's fought like, you know, he grappled Jake Shields at a Metamorris and he grappled Clark Gracie, who's pretty nasty. And he, he grappled Gordon Ryan at a quintet and drew with him in eight minutes. And he was giving up 45 pounds to Gordon Ryan. When, when he drew with him and, and granted there's, there's weird rules in quintet and maybe they should have done overtime or something like that. But in eight minutes, Gordon Ryan did not submit this dude. So what hope do you give AJ McKee who's smaller than D'Souza or Satoshi or whatever you want to call him? What hope do you give him to submit him? I don't give much. And man, Satoshi, anytime you get in a clinch with him, he just like climbs your back. Even if he's in front of you, um, you know, he's looking for triangles even while he's standing, like he, he's super creative. If you go back and you watch him submit, um, earlier this year, he submitted Johnny case, who by the way, is his only loss. If you go way back, Johnny case knocked him out with a, an early punch. If you watch him submit Johnny case this year, it's one of the best submissions of 2022. Like it is wildly creative. I can't believe he gets to the angle he does. Um, like if it was in the UFC, it would just be instantly the submission of the year, no matter what. So I think Satoshi is just way more creative than McKee. And unlike the Herbst versus Pitbull fight, like if Pitbull doesn't want to go to the ground, he's got that option. I think he can shut it down. If McKee doesn't want to go to the ground, I'm not sure how much better he is in striking. And I actually think Satoshi could take it there if he wanted to, um, or at least get him in a clinch and make him scramble and stuff like that. So while Pitbull can just say, nah, I'm good. Thanks. I think Satoshi's going to force the envelope here, and and I really like him with that dog money there. I I would once again not that uh not that props are posted anywhere or like you can find them anywhere readily, but I would be very interested to see what Satoshi's submission prop was. Um, you might see like a wildly fat number there, especially because we know AJ McKee to be such a good grappler. It's not often you see him get submitted or ever because he's only lost once, um, but you've, you've never seen him get submitted. So that line might be high. And, and I think he's he's about to step in with a guy who grapples 80 times better than anybody he's ever fought before. All right. There you go. Gumby, uh, we leave things with the dog here for you. So in, con- in conclusion and to wrap up Gumby's picks, uh, Satoshi, a.k.a. D'Souza, um, Freer, a.k.a. Pitbull. Um, Kim, Horaguchi, and Rabadanov. So Kim and D'Souza are the underdog picks for him for this Ryzen event. Um, that's it for your Monday non-UFC picks. We will have some more non-UFC episodes coming up on Wednesday, Thursday. What are we going to break down? We're going to break down what? Ryzen 40 and I think Cage Warriors, right? Cage Warriors 148 has got a very fun card coming up. It is, um, well, originally they branded it uh, you, uh, us versus, uh, Europe or us versus, yeah, I think it was us versus Europe. They originally branded it, um, because they wanted to do like all of their title challengers or a whole bunch of title challengers of British guys or, or, you know, one guy's, uh, Lithuanian, Lithuanian, um, defending against Americans. But then everybody just wanted on this, uh, this interesting card so much that now there's a couple of like European jerseys versus European fights. There is one title fight that wound up being two British guys. So like it started off as like a sort of a trendy kind of gimmicky thing, but then it just got so good. So, and there's names you'll notice on there too, which is fun. Yes. Household names. If if you're a hardcore, I guess you would say Um, three title fights too on that card. So 
should be very, very interesting. So we'll either get that in yours Wednesday or Thursday and Ryzen will be on the other day. So there you go. You're all set. Uh, happy Boxing Day to the Canadians and the Brits and everybody else that celebrates it. Happy day after Christmas for the rest of you. Uh, we'll be back on, like I said, Wednesday. Until then, we've got a Discord that you can get into, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord. We've got a Twitter, SGPNMMA, or Jeff Fox Writer would be mine, or Gumby Breland would be his. And then all our writings are at sportsgamblingpodcast.com, which reminds me, I have to, an article of yours I have to publish, right? Gumby, a Bellator one. Bellator That's versus right. Ryzen one, actually, right? You can you can hear the written version of this if uh, if my my talking wasn't good enough for you. Yes. So there you go. Um, and then he's got Top Turtle MMA podcast, which um, which you'll be hearing later this week, right? You don't take yeah. weeks off, do you? No, no, no. And uh, it's I've got a couple of interviews coming from that Cage Warriors event that I just talked about. That's pretty exciting. So uh, you can you can look forward to that. Cool. And I got a Substack, uh, moneymma.substack.com. Give it a subscribe. Um, all right, that's it. We're back to you on Wednesday. Until then. I will remain the typhoon, Jeff Fox. He will, Gumby will remain the Spaniard, Daniel Gumby Breland, and we'll talk to you on Wednesday. Bye.